Hi. Thanks for listening to the New Utah Podcast. I wanted to start today by apologizing for the audio quality of our interview. We interviewed uh, Brandon Clark, the owner and proprietor of Kitchen 88 Food Truck. It was really a fantastic conversation, but it was our first Skype interview, and it is a bit echoey. I tried to clean up the sound as much as possible for you folks, but I didn't want to remove the interview entirely. Uh, It is really quite the interview, and I, I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the New Utah Podcast, and let's get to it. Shut up and sit down. Every time you do it, I, they can't see you do You're like crazy wiki wiki whack. Well, Just because you don't say something. I make the wiki noise, the wiki wiki. I you did this, this time. time, and I don't... I mean, if you're going to do it, just do it. Go for it. I hate you. I mean, it's dumb, but go for it. Go it's 100%. Put 100% in. Well, folks, it's uh, you can't that time handle, of week again. You can't handle my 100%. No, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> what I can handle... This is our 10th episode. Two and a half months we've been doing the Ten new Utah episodes. podcast. Woo! That's a milestone. We should have a drink, go out We should party, have a drink. I agree with that. Celebrate. This is not the time for drinking for poor Josh, though. He is uh, under the weather, you might say, puking his guts out. I am sick like unto the dog. Well, that's all right. You're here on Skype. In dog years, this would be our 70th episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a lot of damn years. When I'm 70, I hope to be dead. <laughs> no, you don't. Podcast. You say that now, you won't in 10 years. No, I will have a gun for when I start going senile. My then best I can friend has a plan at 70. Yeah. yeah I, I can either shoot myself, or if I'm senile, I can shoot someone else, and they really won't care because I'm senile. They can't really blame me. I won't be in my right mindset. So... Well, let's introduce the room. All right. Uh, we have uh, live via remote Skype, Mr. Sicky Pants himself. <laughs> Sicky Pimagoo. So I can't come over, dear podcast listeners, because if Chris gets sick by my hand, he will stab me in the in the stomach. So a I, full-on shanking. Yeah, he will shank. Yeah, me. I won't even use something nice. It will. I, I've got a lots. Spork. Look, I live in West Stabbington here in Kearns. I have lots of access to knives. I will create my <laughs> own shank. Your neighbors, like, just dude. We, this is what yeah, we say in uh, in Kearns, in West Stabbington. We don't all have the ability to afford guns, but we all got knives in our kitchen, and we can whittle a toothbrush to a killing edge. And if you have your barbecue grill on your front porch, you better put a bike lock on it. <laughs> that was dir- disappears that quick, huh? That was directed at me. Yeah, Josh had for the longest time a grill on his front porch that was chained to his front porch because bitches were stealing shit. Well, not for me, but one can understand the the caution, right? I mean, better safe than sorry. It was yeah, a nice right grill. Now. So finish introducing yourself, Josh. Oh, by the way, hello. My name is Josh Butterfield. I'm sick. Can you hear it in my voice? I thought it was. You said stomach. it was just stomach. Grumble, grumble, grumble. <laughs> you are an asshole. <laughs> I'm not. But nice. thanks for pointing that out, Jessica, our event mistress. And the good news is, hopefully Josh won't be quite as aroused this week since he's remote. I don't even have anything to say because you just introduced me. 
every time. So I'm well, Jessica. There you go. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can't even make the sex. We also today. have with us Jeremy. Jeremy, yes, that is me. Toxic algae survivor. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. You don't know that. How much of your garden have you eaten since you watered with toxic algae? Well, some, but they only turned our water back on about a week ago. Okay, so you tell me. So in if a couple my hair starts weeks, falling out next week. Yeah, or if one of your kids suddenly comes down with a stomach bug and Josh hasn't been around them. And all the chickens are dead. Then it would be your dog's fault. So, yeah, that's probably Evo. So, not. So, so toxic algae survival is still guarded. Okay. We'll report back in a week or two. Tentative survivor. Yes. But I'm still here. And I'm your host. Um, my name is Chris. I do things. I've had a long day. <laughs> and uh, fuck the tour of Utah. More about that in a little bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. We should just, yeah. Segway right that. into making sweet love for the tour not, to Utah. No, no. no. We're, we're going to save that for later. I don't really hate the tour of Utah, but I do hate the tour of Utah. I don't, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Well, today we have with us uh, Brandon Clark, who is the uh, owner, operator, and I don't know, everything to do with the Kitchen 88 food truck uh, here in uh, the Salt Lake City area. How are you today, Brandon? Yeah, great. How are you guys? We're doing fantastic. We're excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Brandon, for can you... Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, just so the folks listening can uh, find out a little bit about who you are and where you came from? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up in Draper, Utah. Went to Alta High School out there in Sandy. Um, and uh, let's see, as far as food goes... Yes? Cuts to the chase. Tell me more, tell me more. That's right, let's get to it. So started working at a pizzeria in high school and kind of ran that pizzeria throughout high school. Um, it was a Chicago pizzeria. So um, that's where I started with food. Um, and then served a uh, church mission in South Africa where I did a ton of cooking. What's that? That probably didn't have a whole lot to do with food, though, did it? Actually, it did based on... Um, Jess shared some information that you shared with Jess. Anyway, it's a big circle of love. But the point is, uh, she highlighted the fact that you really kind of vibed with the um, the using food to connect and serve and, and everything else. And I thought that was a really cool element in your background. Yeah, and that's... Uh, I always liked food and liked cooking. Um, but uh, being out there, you know, food is not abundant. And so for them, they spend the whole day cooking one meal. That one meal is not great, um, but it's what they have. And so we were able to meet with a lot of people and even help cook with them. Um, and that's where I kind of found my love with not just the food, but with serving people food and kind of showing my love through, through food and, and that. That's very cool. That's very cool. So do you have any uh, proper training then, Brandon? So yeah, once I returned from my mission, I went out to uh, Northern California, up in Napa Valley, and I attended the Culinary Institute of America, um, one of the best culinary schools in America. They got two branches, one's out in New York, and then the other one's in, uh, in Napa Valley. So I spent some time up there, and I loved it. Uh, beautiful area, a great opportunity to learn. 
while you were there, did you decide a, a focus of food or was it just to get the tools and just kind of set the foundation for, for what you really wanted to do? Definitely just, uh, just the basics. The school is very basic. Um, and set that foundation. You, you learn a lot of different cuisines and techniques. Um, but I never really had decided on exactly what I wanted to do um, while I was in school. So how did how did going to that school really prepare you for what you ultimately did? Or did it just solidify that this really truly was a passion for you? Um, yeah, it just solidified it. You know, you, you've got a great program here. Um, the Art Institute's here. Um, but I decided that once I really committed to wanting to do culinary arts, that I was going to go to the biggest and the best school. Um, and so that's why I went to the CIA. And... Uh, and being there really just reaffirmed that I wanted to do this as a career. So, are you sworn to secrecy once you've gone to the CIA? Could <laughs> be, but uh, they don't. Well, I'll tell you what, we will bleep out the names to protect the innocent so that no one will know All right. you're part of the CIA. That's right. So, so all, all of us here are entrepreneurs of some sort or the other. Uh, so, so a couple questions for you that have to do with your business in general. Why did you decide to go with a food truck and not a storefront? Great question. So for us, Kitchen 88 is a brand that I've been building over the last few years. And um, we had been pushing to get into a storefront, but a food truck was our first step. Um, it was a lot cheaper. And... Uh, and it gave me an opportunity to really solidify a menu and make sure people actually like the food. So, um, how did you solidify your menu? Once you decided on your concept, how did you finalize your menu? Um, like I said, it's been, a, it's been a, a process over the last few years of developing a menu. Um, but I knew that I wanted to make basically meat and potatoes. Oh, Wait, wait, say meat again. Meat and potatoes. Don't make these guys. So for me, a lot of what the concept comes from, um, I can explain it a little bit, is that Kitchen 88 is built to be a fast, casual restaurant. Um, Just like your Chipotle's, your Cafe Rio's, but kind of a step above. Yeah, I was going to say. Much better. better. Uh, and, And with that being said, I wanted to make... A restaurant um, where you could come in because as a single guy when I was single living on my own I was working in a restaurant 16 hours a day I would come home and all I wanted was a good piece of protein and some sides right and I couldn't ever find that from anywhere so you know you end up going to your Texas Roadhouse or whatever and you, you spend 35 bucks and you're full by the time you eat the rolls and the salad so that's where I wanted to create a concept that was different, and you were able to get that piece of protein, some nice sides, um, but quick and easy. You know, before we go to the next question, I, I just want to say I've looked over your menu, and one of the things I really like about it is the simplicity. You really have three main protein dishes, a couple of salads, a couple of desserts, but the, you can actually add the protein to the salads 
and do some other crazy stuff like that. So you your your menu is more expansive than a glance than a glance would indicate, and it's all looks so good. Awesome. You're missing out that they haven't had it, and I eat it like every week. <laughs> that actually brings up a, a good point um, that, we, that we haven't had it. One of the things I struggle with, I work from home uh, in, in my entrepreneurial life for the most part. Um, one of the things I struggle with is finding food trucks. What What are the ways that, you know, if, if I've never encountered um, Kitchen 88, how would I know about you? How would I find you? Um, that's a great question again it's, it's difficult um, but for us um, it's mostly just social media it's the Instagram the Facebook and a little bit of Twitter we're not great at Twitter I've actually stood on the corner and shouted Kitchen 88 <laughs> and it didn't work and now, I'm, now I'm, it's coming together for me so no, it's uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to find a lot of trucks, and for a truck like mine, where it's just one, I'm on the truck every service. Um, we're not open all the time, unfortunately. We wish we could be, but uh, we're not open all the time. So and the thing with food trucks is you really have to follow them on social media because if, uh, like, say you're you're in Draper, generally once a week, um, if something happens, your truck breaks down you know, then you have disappointed people, but they're not going to be disappointed unless they follow you on social media, you know, and are, are in the know. That's just right. what you have to do with this type of business. For sure. Yeah. Has, has it been difficult uh, for you to find new customers as a food truck or do you have some sort of service or group that actually helps you kind of line out places to go? So yeah, there's a couple uh, groups here in the state that, uh, that have, gone about uh, creating a business to help food trucks and so what they've done is gone to different businesses so the majority of our lunch business is all done at business complexes um, where there's 500 plus employees we go park out in front of the business um, and those employees come down for lunch nice and easy for them and they can go right back to their desk um, so yeah, they get a change these- their, their uh, menu and their variety in- injected in their life which is cool too for sure. So they set up those business lunches for us, and then um, they also do the food truck roundups. So at nighttime, they'll find a park in a local city and get 12 trucks out there, and uh, and then they post it all over social media for themselves, and we I post the I'll same thing. Where I'm at. Um, Peterson's Farm, I think it's Thursday nights, Yeah, a food truck rally, and they, I see... A half a dozen food trucks. Are you guys part of that one? So we are not part of that one. Um, that kind of leads to another issue. I don't know if you want to get into it yet. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We want yeah. Hey, if there's issues. dirt and drama, we're totally interested. <laughs> Shut up! Yeah. Those other guys suck, by the way. <laughs> so no, part of the suck. part of the issue that we have is um, that I didn't know going into food trucks. I thought, let me grab a truck. I'll make good food and I'll sell it out the window, right? Little do you know is all the business side of it and where the government has their hands in it. And so for each... Yes. <laughs> so for each city you serve in, you're supposed to have a business license. Oh, that gets expensive real fast, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, it does. And for each county you serve in, you're supposed to have a health permit. And so that can be quite pricey as well because in order to serve in a county you have to um, 
you have to have a commissary kitchen, which is a commissary kitchen is just a place that you can prep your food, park your truck at night, um, and store all your cold stuff. And that's a relatively new law, right? That's only been around for a couple of years, I think. Yeah, I think part of the issue with it is the government just didn't know what to do. They had these food trucks popping up. Waffle Love was one of the first. And all of a sudden, they're like, crap, what do we do? So they just kind of put all these things in place. And over the last few years, it's kind of improved a little bit. Um, but it's still, you know, it's like a plumber service. They have one business license, and they go all over the state. Yeah, that license. How, how does it work, though? Um, for example, um, at my work last year, we held an event, but the trucks were from Utah County, and because it was a private event, um, they didn't need certain licenses, was my understanding. Um, maybe that's changed in the last year, and, how, like, how, why can't that loop <laughs> it does a little bit and honestly i'm not even 100 percent sure on that um every time i've done an event outside of the county that i'm permitted i've claimed that it's just a catering but i've also never been inspected um i don't know if i if i did get inspected would they shut me down because i didn't have my permit but if it was a catering event i don't know so um that does say something if if the owner of the truck doesn't even know what the hell's going on that that says something about the laws that's right and that's that's the tough part for us is you know like i said getting into it i thought yeah i know i need a business license and a health permit but crap the fact that i can serve in lehigh but if i go past the point of the mountain i gotta have another permit doesn't make sense to me and a lot of truck owners well that's expensive and cumbersome so brandon as your future business partner and someone who plans on eating the hell out of your truck, here's my suggestion. That means probably, you have to come to Utah County. I will. Look, you okay. should probably eat his food, not his truck. Let me start. Okay, start. I will start eating your food, and then I'll eat the hell out of your truck. But the next time someone comes up and looks at you sideways, you just say, CIA. Strikes. <laughs> and then just whip out your card that's that if you have some sort of card that indicates that you actually went to the CIA and be like, yeah, no, it's like cool. That business license. Just do it license. fast and hold it out and then put it back. I'm gonna make one up. I'm not gonna charge you for that advice. That's free because I feel like we have a beautiful thing here because we both love me. <laughs> Thank so what's, you so uh, much, Brandon. What's a, a day in the life like for you as a as an operator of a food truck? I know a lot about the restaurant business. Um, you know, you get up fairly early before the restaurant closes you have to start prepping food but with a food truck you're you're really out somewhere for an hour or two right and, and then you're done so how does that work what what's a day like for you uh yeah so f- for me my days usually start uh 7 o'clock in the morning because like i said i'm usually working two shifts so my nights get late but uh i go to the commissary kitchen i will prep uh any ingredients or things that i need and we'll load up the truck, and then we're off to our lunch location by 10.30. We're there, we get set up, and we're open by 11. Um, and then we just we grind for a couple hours. For our truck, uh, speed of service is really important, and for all trucks it is, but that's something we really hone in on. Um, and so we like to do at least 100 orders per service. Um, and then we will close up. And we will we'll pack up the truck, clean it, and then head back to the commissary. So we're usually open for lunch from 11 to 2. And then, like I said, back to the commissary. I'll run to the grocery store if we need anything. 
um, and then we're off by 4.30 to our dinner location. And dinners usually run from 5 to 9-ish, and then we're, we're cleared up back to the commissary. Um, I've had both lunch and dinner with Kitchen 88. It is very... I don't think that I've ever seen Brandon not moving. <laughs> like this kind of, or sold out. Well, it's it's, it's <laughs> all you, right? That's what you said earlier. It's it's all you, really? You have you Do you have any employees? Yeah. I, got <laughs> I don't know his name. I'm still... He, he's leaving me, so... Oh, but, no. uh... He's going on the church mission. But anyway, so I got a, I got three or four employees. <laughs> and uh, and they just, I have a cashier and then usually like an assistant in the kitchen uh, part of the truck that will help set things up. Brandon. Kitchen <laughs> 88 food truck. I have for you a very important question from the studio audience. Yes. Brandon. <laughs> Okay, it's actually me doing a voice, but um oh, really, oh, really? Oh, 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 surprise! Why is Brandon the only one playing along, you guys? Stop! It. <laughs> so the question we have for you is: typically, in a in a in a typical business model, there's a couple years before you really break even, and then you can kind of start making some money. Is it different in the food truck industry? Does does that timeline change or? Uh, are you facing the same challenges? I mean, because I think so, a lot of people have a, some background and perspective with conventional businesses, but how is it different? Um, I think within the food truck industry, you have a lot of different types of owners. Um, so you have these kind of these big guys who have multiple trucks, and they're just throwing money at it. Um, for me, as a owner operator I found my truck on KSL classifieds I approached the guys and said I don't have the capital to buy this outright but will you do a lease to own essentially I'll pay you a large sum of money every month um, and then over time I'll own the truck and so in that sense yes I'm I'm about 10% away from owning my truck outright nice good for you awesome and then at that point, we'll actually make some money. So the last—it's <laughs> all that steak I eat. The last year and a half has been just a nonstop grind for us. We almost didn't make it through the winter, but uh, but we're close. So Good I, for you. That actually brings up a question that I have because um, I know, you know, working in the restaurant world myself, it's uncanny how many restaurants fail, uh, and I've seen a lot of food trucks fail. Um, Going back to your your time with with the CIA, that secretive organization in Napa Valley, <laughs> uh, did that prepare you for owning and running a restaurant, or was it completely just culinary cooking techniques? Or did you have courses that, that helped you think about setting up a business and running a restaurant professionally? In school, they uh, they have a few classes. So I mean, you do a culinary math class, and you talk about. Um, recipe costing you know I know a lot of trucks that their recipes uh, just cost way too much and so they don't make it Um, and you do menu development and there are a few different types of business classes that you do in school Um, but for me the majority of my knowledge came from after school I worked for a restaurant development company Um, and they've taken a local brand here 
and Eater's Bakery and Cafe, and they've just exploded uh, that brand. So for four and a half, five years, I worked for them, opening up new locations, doing all the training, um, and I opened up 20 plus stores with those guys across the Wasatch Front, and then into Arizona and Colorado. So that's where a lot of my uh, restaurant knowledge came from. What's the uh, what's the weirdest experience in the food truck that you've had while working? <laughs> and does it have does it have nudity? <laughs> no, no nudity. Um, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Any Someone, story that starts out with "I tell you what" is good. So let's this is, this isn't that weird, but <laughs> I just the people. Um, and this is great for business, but it's kind of weird on on a different level is that people kind of become a little stockish and to your left my right there um i had another older lady who like would call me because it's my of course my personal number on the website or whatever and she would call me twice a day where are you tonight where are you today where are you tonight i'm like you know we post our schedule on social media well she's like well I don't have it so she created an Instagram account just so she could follow us so that's been the weirdest part for me is a little bit of the people get really demanding all of a sudden I'm like I'm here providing good food for you but now you guys are like you gotta come to this roundup you gotta be here at this time Exactly. Why are you sold out? I'm like, I'll start late. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we're asking all the great questions here, but I, I care about the food, man. So I'm going to ask you a question about the food. Yeah. You have a really fantastic menu, and I'm slapping the table again, aren't I? Okay. Anyway, uh, you have a really fantastic menu, and I think it's reasonably priced for a food truck. So, I mean, without revealing any trade secrets. How do you pull that off to have tri-tip steak, tri-tip, delicious, glorious, succulent tri-tip steak? Don't forget the manchego cheese that is in my salad. Oh my gosh, the manchego cheese! <laughs> well, say, I, I don't want to give away all the secrets, but he did say meat and potatoes. I don't know if you ever spent money on a potato in a grocery store. <laughs> well, no, potatoes are shit, but I mean, <laughs> potatoes are poo-poo money, but... The tri-tip steak is expensive, and yeah. a tenderloin, a pork tenderloin. So is let the expensive. man answer. Let the man answer. I will if I stop getting interrupted. <laughs> you, sir, go ahead. No, that's a great question too. For us, like I said, we uh, we went into this um, concept as a restaurant, um, and so for me, my food cost is a little bit high on average compared to the pizza truck where they spend you know a dollar maybe in food cost for pizza and they're selling it for nine bucks um so my food cost is much higher than theirs but part of my desire was to build the brand of kitchen 88 to serve people really good food um and and then i can balance it by selling a chicken sandwich or the pork is a little bit cheaper the salads are uh, a little bit less in food costs as well so i just have to balance it out that way so do you plan on going into a storefront at some point? You kind of talked about it at the beginning that that was the way you were starting to go. Is that the plan, eventually retire the truck and open up an actual restaurant? Definitely. I don't know that we'd retire the truck, um, but our goal has always been a restaurant. We want to be able to expand our menu. Um, as a chef, I want to be able to create more 
Um, and right now with the food truck, you really have to focus in on, like our menu is a real simple menu. One, because you don't have a lot of space for storage and things like that. And two, you got to be able to get it out quick. So um, when we get into a storefront, we will be able to expand that menu and really play around with food and, um, and give people an experience that they, that they can really desire. So we, we uh, as we're wrapping up here, we want to ask all of our interviews uh, kind of the same question. Um, we're we're a, a Utah-focused podcast. We like to talk about all things Utah. Um, so, Brandon, what would you tell someone visiting Utah um, that they had to do before leaving the state? Uh, for me, I would say get up to Midway. That's my absolute favorite place. Midway? Why Midway? I love it up there. I think it's just uh, it's a beautiful place. That's where I proposed to my wife. Um, it's just real simple up there, and it's kind of hidden off. And go up there and check out Cafe Galleria, a great pizza place up there. Um, that's where I would suggest for people to check out. I'm so hungry. Can you can you bring the truck over? <laughs> <laughs> so, Brandon, how can people get a hold of you? What's the best way to get a hold of you and your truck? So Instagram number one, Facebook number two. Like I said, we do a little bit of Twitter. Um, we're trying to finish up a website right now, but again, we're a from scratch business, and uh, those things come as they go. What's your uh, What's your Instagram username and uh, what's your Facebook username? Kitchen eighty eight, all spelled out. There you go. So not the numbers, but the the letters. I just need to know, ending, are you bringing back that pumpkin cheesecake mousse? You know, I cut out the desserts because there's so many dessert trucks. But maybe in the winter we might uh, we might do a few more desserts. I'm going to stalk o- you. For October, maybe? <laughs> it's over. <laughs> You're getting well, you know, out into my speed dial, man. Get ready for you it. You know these Mormon women love their pumpkin spice anything. Josh is going pumpkin to spice. twice a day. Where are you? <laughs> It's like that movie, What About Bob? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come join us here on the New Utah Podcast. Um, It's been fun. Uh, We'll we'll go ahead and post a link to uh, all your information so the folks that go to our website can find you and hit our... uh, Anyone that hits our Facebook can find you. Um, But uh, I hope we cross paths again, good sir. Me too. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Thank Brandon. You. Thanks, Brandon. I love you, man. All right, talk to you later. Jess, what's going on this week? We have a very cool week of events, starting with the zombie walk that is put on by the Salt Lake Comic Con people. Uh, uh, it, yeah, it sounds just like that all right. downtown Salt Lake. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I've seen pictures from it. I've never participated, but you can go and get painted up like a zombie there, right? Is this uh, the yeah. third or fourth? Ninth. It's actually the, oh, the they, ninth they do a annual. Lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're asking uh, to bring a bag of non-perishable food for the Utah Food Bank. And um, you will get a free Thursday pass <laughs> to Comic Con, which is in a month. Um, yeah, sep- almost to the day, right? September first, yes. second, and third. Yes. Um, however, there is not a route announced yet. The last that I looked earlier today. Oh boy. So you know what? You can't put zombies on a route. I'm just saying it right now. Right <laughs> they free from There's that not. Shit. I know. There's not a starting point. <laughs> from so what just, I understand, yeah. <laughs> these days in zombie movies, if they hear noise or see fire or any kind of light, oh, yeah. they're going to move towards it. And they can run fast as hell. 
Well, well, if it's 28 Days Later zombies, yeah, those guys are super like, like the I Am Legend zombies, those motherfuckers were fast. They were running like and the miles and in like whole, three minutes. Yeah. yeah. But if they're Walking Dead zombies, they're slow as shit and they're really dumb. That's true. They get stuck in wells. They get ripped in half. And apparently their skulls turn to like candied jelly. I am yeah, glad. you just break right through those I bones. I am glad that there are no sparkly zombies. That's all I've got. However, say. I will say this about zombies. It's coming. The Zika virus, <laughs> the CDC has announced that you shouldn't be flying to Miami. There's a specific area they've cordoned off yep. now. They've said if you get bit in the daytime by a mosquito, you should call them immediately. Like, it's no joke. And the Zika virus is the next Wait, black plague. Why in the daytime? Because, because mosquitoes don't normally bite in the daytime. It's an abnormal behavior to get bitten in the daytime by a mosquito. They're zombie. They are, they I are, must be like extra scrumptious. Is that, is that why the hell you're sick, Josh? Did you get bitten by a mosquito? Zombieland. Mad cow disease yeah, is basically it really, what it was. Yeah. It was a bad hamburger. It's true. And that, by the way, if you have not seen Zombieland... You are missing out. That is one of the best zombie movies ever made. I love Bill Murray in that movie. Oh, spoiler well, alert! You should have declared spoiler alert. I just said Bill Murray. I didn't How say. How old that. is that movie? Yeah, it's been out for a while. I didn't you say haven't seen it by now. That he dies. I didn't <gasps> say. You're not a zombie fan. No, no, clearly not. So clearly another not. cool event coming up. Uh, I'm gonna say the first time that it's been in Utah, the UFC fights are <laughs> this weekend. They are. Um, this is actually the second time that I know of that they've tried to bring fights here to Utah. The first time, I don't know if they ran into problems or they had a trouble with ticket sales. It was going to be a Sunday event, I believe, which is always There's difficult in Utah. There's a problem right there. It was three or four years ago. It was a much better card, though. The card that they have this year is is really <coughs> kind of just shit. Honestly. Has it got anything to do with UFC just got sold or has that got nothing to do with it? No, this was, this this event's been planned for a while actually so it really wouldn't have anything to do with uh, with the event getting sold. Um, but let's see what the tickets look like. I'm, I'm curious. I don't know what pricing on tickets is. Uh, so it starts at $50 and goes all the way up to 150 for floor seats. Yeah, it's in the Delta Center, or Vivint Smart ESA, Home bullshit, yeah, whatever you It's actually it. a really cool venue, but I'll tell you this card is pretty lackluster. Yeah. Their main, the, the, the headliner event is <coughs> is not great, so... If you're, go, if you're here in Utah, or Idaho, and you're a fighter, Utah has a great MMA community. Go for Court McGee. He's local, he's from Layton, he's fighting welterweight... But go early because he's an early fight. He's a prelim, um, probably on sometime around like seven o'clock, six o'clock, my guess. Um, so not going to be a, a fantastic fight. I'm actually disappointed that uh, uh, we're not having Sean O'Connell fight here in Salt Lake. He fights out of Salt Lake. He's been right. fighting on a lot of big cards. I would have liked to see that. I know he just fought though. He just got busted up pretty bad. Usually um, when they fight, it's between six and eight months between fights on. If average. they took any any damage at all, they're they're really really cautious cautious about getting back in the squared ring or the octagon. Yeah, a lot say. more so now than than before because they do have a lot more fighters in the pool. Um, but yeah, these aren't by any means these aren't huge fights. But it's big that it's coming to Utah. If it does well, they're likely to bring another event here um, with bigger names with bigger fighters. But it's 60 bucks a ticket. Those are probably nosebleed tickets in the arena. The ring's really small, so, you know, good luck. Yeah. And I think I think part of the problem for a Utah venue for MMA is that 
it happens in Vegas all the time. Yeah, and Vegas is so close. Vegas is so close that people who are serious about it, it costs as much yeah. to fly down. Less, it's a hundred. It's a hundred dollar flight or less, or five hours on the road. Or you here just in make Vegas. it a day trip. Yeah. You make it a day trip. So, I mean, we're not really jonesing for for good fights, but it is cool that they they come here. I would love to see a pay per view event. Where they've got some of the big headliners and some of some of that stuff going. Again, around. if this does well, I wouldn't be surprised to see a big headlining event here. There is a pretty big following in Utah, though. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, and like Jess mentioned, there's actually a few gyms that are run by MMA fighters and, and right. some of that stuff. So. What else is uh What else is going on this week, Jess? So we have the last Gosh. weekend of the French <laughs> festival. Matting an H. It's, it's a, a yeah. Cool. It's, okay. it's all good. It makes you French. <laughs> is that what H it is? is yes. uh, some awesome concerts this weekend. Weird Al's on the fifth. I love Weird Al. He's awesome live. If you've never seen him, Culture Club, uh, up at Red View also, and up at Deer Valley they're doing the music of John Williams, which is just going to be phenomenal. So, so before we move past all these great concerts, I saw you went to the church and to Psychedelic Furs. I did. Um, and you posted a ton of pictures, and you even got a guitar pick for the Psychedelic Furs. I also got both set lists as well. I, I saw, saw that. Right? That's no. some straight up fangirl shit in that the front row. That is some serious fangirl stuff. So I saw the set list. It of looked course. like a really good set list. And there's more uh, church than I knew I knew. So that was really well, cool. Let me ask you, because you went to the concerts... What was the average age of an attendee? Our age, probably. Yeah, probably about forty. <laughs> Old as shit. Forty-two. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I will leap. I will leap through this internet connection and give you. What it's for. so the complex is nice because they do both twenty-one uh, and up concerts as well as all ages, and this was a twenty-one up. So it's nice. There was a fight in the crowd at the psychedelic furs. I'm not quite sure how that transpired. Was there a lame mosh pit? No, I don't concert. even know how it happened. But Here's how it happened. The look it on his a, face was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, they concert, escorted him out and everything. A concert in Utah. Anything goes. I remember when it I first... It wasn't a fight at Howard Jones. When I first moved to Utah, <laughs> it was, I don't know, it was probably 99 or 2000. And Kate came to the big-ass show while it was still at the Utah Fairgrounds. And someone threw a fucking shoe on stage and hit the lead singer a cake. And they walked off stage. And they were done. They were on like their fucking second song, and they just quit. Good for them. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't take that. You know, it's funny. I my first concert was B fifty twos, and B fifty twos when they were still in their prime. When they were still well, shush. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a mosh pit at the B fifty two show. And you got to open up for that love shack. Look, oh my gosh, I could not believe it. Repressed Mormon boys and girls have no other way to release all their sexual tension other than slamming into each other to fighting at concerts. Stupid shit music that's <laughs> not know, crazy hard really gets people going. You know, that's the, what I'm saying. The funny thing about <laughs> that concert, everyone was chanting monster the whole time. <laughs> Fred Schneider in the in the Shake Society. I I passed I passed him on the streets in New York City one day. Did you really? I did. Did you say hello? No, <laughs> I was like Hey, that's Fred from B-52s. And then I called my aunt. <laughs> you gotta say hi to these people. Take pictures I of them. I usually do. Like sneaking in the pictures. Is that who I think it is? And just kind of click. <laughs> I really love the B-52s. <sighs> okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So there's, I just want to talk about a couple of other fancy events that are going on this weekend. The Taste of Wasatch is up at Solitude. It is $105. 
Um, all of that money goes to Fight Utah Hunger. There'll be 50 of Utah's top chefs. There's wineries, there's craft beer, music, and they're also doing a silent auction. This is some fancy, fancy shit, it's and it all goes to benefit the fancy. homeless. So it's, Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another cool thing that just started uh, last week on July 21st is uh, Park City is doing food tours, and they're three-hour-long food tours. A three-hour tour. <laughs> they do them. Different kind of tour, Jeremy. They do... Uh, them on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're $69. Um, they run till October 13th. They start at the top of Main Street. It's also a historical tour as well. And if you haven't, if, if you're new to Utah or if you're passing through and you haven't seen historic uh, Park City Main Street, that's really cool. It's really fun, especially when, I mean, in the heat of summer, it's. Significantly cooler. Probably twenty up there. degrees cooler than yeah. it is in Salt Lake. So it feels nice. It's got a really cool vibe. There's a bunch of really neat restaurants, and they're all, they're none of them are chains. So it's all mom and pop shops and a lot of bars and distilleries. Um, I strongly recommend eating and drinking at the High West Distillery. Oh, I just want one of those burgers mm. and a and a pretzel. A uh, burger and a pretzel. pretzel. <laughs> I'm hungry. I did not get a chance to eat tonight. <sighs> Sorry. Also going on this week, still we talked about it last week, but it's the... Uh, the bane of your existence. The fucking tour of Utah, I think, is the appropriate <laughs> term for it. Is Maybe that, some people call it the tour of Utah. Look, it's a big deal. It's a huge race. It's got a lot of international recognition. But the bastards are going to keep me from getting home for a while <laughs> on Thursday. On Thursday, the entire neighborhood I live in, the entire like huge mileage of squareness, is completely cordoned off. I cannot get in or out of my neighborhood for like two hours on Thursday afternoon because of that stupid race. And it's not like a nor it's their finishing circuit for the day. Mm -hmm. So they actually go around my neighborhood like three times Doing and then lap. why Ew. they don't decide to use Ew. more of the city to go around for that same distance. No, they use my neighborhood. It ends roughly around rush hour, which let me tell you, that's going to be fantastic for where I live. And ends at the Oval, which is just down the street from me. I house. am on the verge of tears because no one has suffered like you have suffered. And I'm just I'm just barely keeping it together here from your, your story of woe. Thanks. And by the way, you have a dirty whore mouth, okay? I, it is it is a trucker mouth. I, I don't apologize. Take your mouth back to Whore Island! <laughs> <laughs> Wherever that is. <laughs> Tell me where it is. Send me a postcard. because That'd be a cool postcard. I believe Island. it's somewhere near your house. So down the street. Which, by the way, your house isn't affected. No. Other, other than the fact that all the traffic that's getting diverted it's gonna be stuck is going to be fucking house. terrible for you. <laughs> because you're just right below the line. And I know what it's like even when there's a small accident on the street. No. Look how quickly oh. karma turned around on that's that. That's right. Go fuck yourself, Josh. I will. I'll be. I'll visit you on Whore Island with your dirty whore mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Before we go any further, can we just acknowledge the, the lovely Facebook poster who validated my claim? Oh, I, I mean, oh. That would be Miss Harriet Winston. This is bullshit. I still... Look, you made that shit up, and she was like, no, that something like that actually happened. It was not like what you said. It is exactly... She understood... It is not exactly what you said. His toe clip broke. 
And they kind of helped him while okay. he fixed it. You know what? They I didn't carry him the whole damn no, race. No, no, I didn't say they carried he him the whole He wasn't injured. Race. I was trying to articulate it and struggling. Thank you for, for knowing this stuff better than I do. But basically I was saying that he had a problem and that the team swooped in and supported him while he could do whatever. It just goes to show we do have like three people who look at our Facebook page and listen to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you very it's true. much. true. And it shows that Josh you, was Ryan. maybe partially right about something <laughs> about something at some point and we're yeah. drunk as shit that night too. I you know I was drunk as shit <laughs> and it's the only thing that that really breaks my was heart was it a night that we podcast well on? you got a good point there I can't see your face right now because of the Skype thing to know how how much it galls you to say those words about me being right oh it does you have no idea all right, so just a little bit of news uh, with our our chatting with uh, Kitchen Eighty Eight today. Uh, just want to talk about a few different stories. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about. So I, I said last week um, that I hated bicyclists on the road because <laughs> they were they were douchebags a lot of the times. And, and I, you know, that's not really true. Um, it's Only something sometimes. I say. You know, half jokingly, yes, there are douchebag cyclists out there, but the reality is, you should be sharing the road. That's they right. should be following laws. You should be following laws. Well, the bottom line is, they have just as much right to be on the road as a- anybody else. Absolutely. And who am I to get mad at them for, you know, not polluting the air nearly being as healthy. much as me and being a? I don't. I think the healthy thing's a bunch of crap. <laughs> but, uh, however, um, I talk on a podcast. That has about, mm, I don't know, maybe a couple dozen listeners at this point. We're on our 10th episode. I'm not a city council member for Centerville City. You weren't elected (laughs) to this calling. (laughs) So when a city council member, Bill Ince from, from Centerville City Council, says, I think a number of people are not sure how to handle bikers that are aggressive, run them off the road... (laughs) <laughs> well, this is two different people. So, oh yeah, that's city, right. He was talking to a city council member. It was uh, Paul who, Cutler. Uh, Paul Cutler is the mayor. Who's, yeah, and yeah. Bill Ince was the the one that said to run him off. So road. the mayor said, "I think people don't know how to handle aggressive right. bikers." And and Ince says, "Run him off the road." This isn't like in their office joking. This isn't on a podcast joking. This is in a city council meeting. What kind of bonehead <laughs> says that shit? And well, I'm sure you know, when it's tongue in cheek followed by laughter. I, I I think the problem is Centerville seeing a certain. I mean, Utah, Salt Lake City especially has been very very good with bike laws. I, I think you also see that in in Utah County. Uh, there's right. a lot of good bike lanes, a lot of bike getting around. Well, downtown Salt Lake, the bikes are big, and they have the whole green bike rental. Well, that, yeah, all yeah. Of, yes. so there's a lot of people trying to be environmentally friendly. So they have lanes. They've redesigned entire streets. They did it to Broadway. Yes. Um, and I think what you're seeing in Centerville is they're seeing a uptick in, in people riding bikes, uh, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it as a city, and they, they maybe don't have the tax revenue or the knowledge, or you know they're not ignorant boneheads. <laughs> maybe I, I don't know, um, but it is a problem. Centerville's starting to see a lot more incidents. Um, I think when you have a college or a university in your town, you deal with it a little bit better. And I well, think that's maybe why. I Provo like he does kind so of good. rescinds and he says, 
What I should have said <laughs> is that 2% of the traffic is on bicycles, 98% is in cars. We need to recognize that. Yeah, the problem is, <laughs> do we want 98% of our traffic in cars? No. Why, why shouldn't we have more bicyclists? One big reason we don't is because of that kind of attitude. Because, you know, rather than educate people and set up safe havens for bicyclists, <laughs> they talk about, run them over. They joke about <laughs> running them over in a sanctioned city council meeting. Well, I think it's great that it was a 17-year-old <laughs> that... You know, just said that it's unfortunate to have a city official who has the opportunity to promote bike safety, you know, and encourage it adds to the hostility. And he said that, you know, the his name is Mark. He's a 17 year old kid says, I hope to use I hope that this is an opportunity to start a discussion with Bill and better understand each other. It's you know, it's that's pretty powerful kid saying that. Good for him. That is, that's, that's impressive. So I got to say, um, you know, we talk a lot on this podcast. We're, we talked today with, with uh, Kitchen 88. Um, Utah is, as we've said, a fantastic place for entrepreneurs. That's right. Uh, we, we, we look at Kickstarters on a regular basis. Um, you know, we have great business school down in BYU, whether you like the, the Mormon church or not. But some of that has actually been... Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is uh, validated, I guess, uh, right. from outside sources. Definitely. This this came from livability.com, and essentially they just build lists for cities of what they're great for, and they were asked to do it for Entrepreneur Magazine, and they came up with the 50 best cities for entrepreneurs. And uh, Utah has two in the top 15. Two. Um, it's amazing. At number three, so number one is Boulder, Colorado, which which doesn't really surprise me. Boulder's kind of like Park City. Um, but more grown up in yeah. that they've been around longer. Well, there's not a freaking ski resort there. That's right. And I, you know, a lot of a lot of um, rich guys live in Boulder and, and run businesses right out of their homes or, right. or invest from Boulder. Well, Boulder's so kind of been the, the, how do I say this, the yuppie central for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that Boulder's number one. Yuppie Central meaning rich yuppies. Before we get to the next one, I think that it's important just to note the metrics of how they came up with these numbers. Uh, they analyzed 17 economic indicators for more than 2,200 cities with populations greater than 20,000. So, and Boulder's small. Boulder's only got 100,000 people mm -hmm. in it. So, uh, Austin, Texas was next. That's it's one of the bigger cities actually on the list. Um, so it does seem like, as, as we kind of look through the list, that, that size has a big indicator. If you look through most of them, they're right around 100,000. There's some that are even smaller than that. Um, but, but that does seem to be a pretty good indicator well, it, in terms of, of size. It talks here about the growth um, at, while we're still in Austin. Between 2011 and 2015, business growth, 14%, and employment growth, um, 16%. So that, that's kind of some of the metrics that they're going off of is is the business growth as well as employment. So how many new jobs? How, yeah, how many jobs are these? Well, these Provo, Provo the business growth was 13% and employment growth was 21%. Yeah. So, so number 3. Number 3 is Provo and and if you have been in Utah for a while, if you're in the the the, you know, small business world, it's not really a surprise. Right. Um, a lot of people open their own businesses down there. We are the uh, 
<laughs> what, direct <clears throat> marketing? Yeah, they don't capital. say MLM because that's bad. Yeah, that's that's really yeah, bad. MLM is bad. Uh, direct marketing, direct yeah, sales, but it's MLM, pyramid scheme, <laughs> capital of the world. There is a Does lot. anybody know why that is? That's the exact replica of how the church is run. We won't get into that. Next but, time. But, it has but, a lot but, to do but, with the design yeah, of the church. The, it, no, it is. It's the breakdown of the church and the hierarchy of the you church. You know, yeah. it, it goes, it's more than that, too, because what you see a lot of times with MLMs, I, I deal a lot with them, um, and they're freaking down in Utah County. It's like one Everywhere. every five feet. They're all over the place. But they're really successful, and a lot of people that get into them are really successful. So some one, one of the organizations you don't think of as an MLM, Mary Kay Mary or Kay's a Avon. MLM. They're both MLM organizations, or what's called a direct sales organization. Amway. Uh, Amway was a crappy <laughs> one. A lot of people made a lot of money out of Amway. Tupperware. Um, Tupperware. Tupperware. The, the originals. Tupperware is coming back. Yeah. The cool. slum. The slumber party stuff. Right. That all of that all is direct MLM sales. They're most all MLM. Not all, but most, most of, of them are based out of Utah. Came out of Utah. So there's a lot of that now. Right now, the big MLM crap is all your organic hippy dippy oils. Oh and yeah, the extracts. Oils. And I love those videos yes. on YouTube. So I mean, that's <laughs> that's where they're at now. But it works because it gives. You know, I don't want to be sexist, but it gives stay-at-home moms, which there are a lot of in Utah, something to do with their time. That's right. It's a little investment that the husband can help with, and she's happy because she feels like she's doing something, and some of them make a shit ton of money doing it. Well, the Stampin' Up! Palace is just behind my house, and that thing is ginormous. So, does it surprise me at all? Because that, I'm sure that figures into it, because then you get a lot of people creating their own business entity... Which acts as a new business. It does, and, right. and it's for them to sell this garbage, whatever it is. So right, so, right. So whatever it is, Provo's number three. But Provo's <laughs> also a tech center, and I would go beyond Provo. If you go around the point of the mountain, you get right. into the Lehigh area. Um, it's almost like Silicon Valley Part Two. We've got a lot of tech companies. The, the big Adobe, uh, the big Adobe Oracle building. Oracle just moved in. They're Oracle moved in. San Francisco. Domo's out here. That's right. Um, you know, you've got Exactware, you've got I Am Flash. I mean, you, you really have a lot of game developers. Microsoft's got offices down here. Well, in the University of Utah, uh, and I realize we're talking about Pro, but the University of Utah was one of the was one of the original 3D gaming. Uh, also, animatronics yeah. uh, for rides. Well, we've and we, we've games. got stuff like The Void, uh, which is a, a fully immersive virtual reality experience mm -hmm. going on. Um, down there in Utah County. But you mentioned University of Utah. Salt Lake City comes in at number 12 uh, for the best. And so Salt Lake City proper was a population just under 200,000. 5% um, business growth, 11% employment growth. One thing to keep in mind with Salt Lake City is it's not a lot of room for new businesses. No. Um, so Salt Lake City, so I mean, given that, yes, I agree, Salt Lake City is not that old. If you're looking at cities on the other side of the United States, we're a fairly young city. However, Salt Lake City in itself, for those of you who aren't aware of it, is surrounded by mountains. There's not a whole lot of room. There's not many places left to go. But Salt Lake does foster uh, local businesses, small businesses. Um, so we see a lot of them pop right. up. Well, the, uh, the food trucks like yeah. we talked about. You guys? Yeah, we are entrepreneurs in, in the Salt Lake yep. Valley area. But Salt Lake City proper there's a lot of small shops, a lot of mom and pop shops, thrift shops, and tea shops, uh, you name it. We've got the King's English, right? Fantastic. Got bookstore. What's the uh, what's the Scottish shop? What's it called? Uh, London, the London. No, no, no. It's um, uh, it's right on Main Street. 
the guy owns it. Uh, it's all Scottish. Oh stuff right, I know it's yeah. I can't think of the name of it. Now. <laughs> it's been there for years. Anyway, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, a, a lot of coffee shops, of course. It's very yeah, there's a lot of little cake shops yeah, and pastry yeah. shops and. Uh, so yeah, it's not a surprise to us, but it's something worth mentioning. It's it's validated from from other folks. Um, you know, another thing that Salt Lake City proper has a lot of is homeless people. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, like the taste of Wasatch. 100% of those proceeds going to um, a, a cause for hunger. I can't remember what the name of it is. It's just <laughs> fighting hunger. Fighting <laughs> hunger. I don't think. I don't know if they actually have an organization that just is to fight yeah. hunger in Utah. And that's not. I mean, obviously, outside of homeless people, there is still a lot of starving kids out there. Um, but Utah, Salt Lake County in particular, is starting to see a rise in homelessness. Um, and it's something they're having trouble dealing I think, with. I think part of it with Salt Lake County is the growth. Yeah. You know, that it's it's grown a lot faster in the last five to ten years than it has in the last, oh, hundred years. So with that growth, you're going to have these other issues. Well, a lot of people never recovered from the recession back in 2009, 2010. Yeah. Um, and they've just kind of fallen further and further until they, they, are, they are homeless. I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing with homelessness, though, um, is the development that's going on where they hang out. So you've got the Fourth Street Clinic, you've got the they the Road Home, you, you've got the Soup Kitchen over there, and now they're trying to develop around Pioneer Park all this new stuff. Mm -hmm. Having a bunch of homeless people hanging out across the street from your brand new restaurant or well, your brand they just new condo. Well, two new condo buildings. Yeah. Right, right. The high end, the high end living facilities. Yeah, it doesn't do a lot for property value when you have a bum, you know, <laughs> shooting up heroin across the street from you. Um, so I think that dri that's driving a lot of this. But the, the bottom line is, um, we're looking for solutions. The, the the city is looking for solutions to to help deal with the problem. You know, a lot of people um, think they just move the homeless and right. once they're not visible anymore, it's, it's not going to be a problem. It doesn't change that there's still a problem. Right. Well, and they talk about need needing to look at individual issues instead of a one-size-fits-all yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these people are out living in their cars, end up on the street. They want to get a job, but it's so hard to get a job if you don't have an address. Right. Just having a mailing address that's not a PO box is super tough to get a job if you don't have that. Right. They can't verify things. Being able to go somewhere and take a shower. So my my boss was telling me today, and he didn't say who the organization was. But he said that there was a story that someone is thinking or actually acting on getting a, a semi that will be retrofitted with showers. Yeah, no, no, supplies. it's already running. Yeah, he's oh, already it? got it and Perfect. running. Yeah. yeah, and that is, I mean, that is such a great resource for you know, the people thing is, that maybe don't feel comfortable going into a shelter to, to, to take, take a shower. Yeah. Part of the problem is, is the stigma is, is, oh, the homeless, we don't want to deal with that. Well, you know. There, there are that small handful, very small handful, who don't care that they're homeless, don't want, don't want to better themselves. But the vast majority of them do not want to be in that situation, and the vast majority of them are not looking for a handout; they're looking for help, but legitimate help. Well, and a lot of them, like you know, the, the road home does a lot of stuff beyond just providing a shelter. They provide access to low-income housing. They get right. people set up in you know apartments for. You know, hopefully short term, but it gives them someplace stable. Um, you know, where they can they can right. hold down a job, they can pay rent, 
They can eventually move out of there into something else. Right. Um, it's a big well, deal, and the more of that we can develop... Despite some of the things we say, the Desert Red Industries, uh, run by the church, does have... They have job training. Um, they, they allow people to come and work at their facilities in, in yeah. trade for food and clothing. So there are things in place... But yeah, you know, I, I've, I, I've often said this, you know, for all the crap that we talk about the Mormon church, the Mormon church allows Utah to be a successful state because it does the things that Republicans think communities should do. So if you look at, you know, a typical Republican versus Democratic kind of social platform, Republicans say the community will take care of itself. The more fortunate will help the less fortunate uh, and the less fortunate will get better. And then the Democrats say, well, the government should make sure that the less fortunate get the help because the more fortunate don't always do that. In Utah, the church does tons. They pay full rent for people. They, right. I mean, it, it's crazy. The, the fact that we don't have more people uh, in dire straits uh, is a direct correlation to the church's activities, I right. think. So uh, there is some good in religion. Um, you heard it here first <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> um, they, they do a good community service. So what, one thing I will say, um, and you'll hear this a lot when you talk about uh, homelessness, do not give money to beggars on the street. You don't know what they're going to use it for. And to be quite honest, they can't do as much with it as, as a place like the Road Home can. So if you want to donate and help fix homelessness in Utah, first donate your time. They're that's always the, looking for volunteers. Right well, Salt Lake has those amazing meters that are all around downtown. Yeah, that you can just put the your change in. It's such a cool idea. Old school parking so, meters yeah, on so, corners. Yeah. So slight plug. So with Salt Lake Home Designs, and you were a part of it a few years ago, Chris. We we um, the Habitat for as Humanity. as a company. Yeah, we we volunteer to the Habitat for Humanity every year, and we've switched over. We're doing other things now, but but there for a while we we actually went and built houses yeah built houses we, worked go, in the, yeah. we did some work for for restore yeah, which we, is their, we worked at the restore we, which we is gave them an afternoon and we did all kinds of stuff and stock shelves and clean things and moved stuff and but yeah i mean we were actually swinging hammers we were actually yeah, yeah. they're always looking for help um and if you're gonna donate money donate it to the Not road directly. home donate it to saint vincent de paul soup kitchen donate it to the fourth street clinic um, you know, there's some other organizations out there that you can donate it to that, that do a lot of good with that money. They can take it and stretch it really far. And I, I think, guys, that's that's probably it for tonight. Uh, look for us on Twitter. Yeah, look for us on Twitter at uh, TNU Podcast, on Facebook at the New Utah Podcast, uh, or you can go to our website. Uh, any of these stories will be linked there. If you, yeah. If you have questions or comments or anything, let us know. We're happy to hear from you. Even if you tell me that Josh, that Josh is right, right. <laughs> I, uh, I will unfortunately say he was right again. That's the last time I'm going to say it. But what's the website, Jess? Oh, the it, <laughs> it's the New Utah all right. Well, Josh has left us early. If you couldn't tell, because he wasn't still not feeling well, swearing and hitting on people. <laughs> uh, so he has decided to end. So good night, Josh, and get the fuck out of my house that you were never in. <laughs> <laughs>